Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Taylor. It was a beautiful song. Let's just open it in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that we're uh, here today, Lord, to study your word, and you are with us. And as Jeff said, thank you for everything you've done for us. We are willing, Lord. And we just pray for this word, Lord. May it be glorify you and bring honor to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I started to prepare for this, it happened to be Super Bowl Sunday. And I go way back. I thought about the first Super Bowl. Almost probably four out of five of you were not even alive then. But in 1969, the Jets had a a brash young quarterback called Joe Namath. And they were up against the mighty Baltimore Colts, who who were heavily favored. And Namath was saying he predicted with confidence that they would win the Jets. And sure enough, the Jets prevailed 16 to 7. Namath walked the walk and he talked the talk. But that was so long ago, you can now see Namath on CNN and Fox pushing uh, Medicare supplement coverage. <laughs> Another big character, and you've all heard of him, this guy was worldwide renowned, and that was Cassius Clay, now called, later changed his name to Muhammad Ali. And he would say, I am the greatest. And he would back up his statements. He would make poems that rhymed, and he would predict what round he would knock out his opponents, and many times that came to be. And he said, I will beat Sonny Liston, who was the reigning world champion, and he was doubted as well. He pummeled Liston for six rounds, and in the seventh round, the trainer threw in the towel, and Sonny Liston gave up. Again, he walked the walk so he could talk the talk. Both these men spoke with authority because they both had God-given talent to perform at the very peak in their sport, which they did. But, of course, they failed sometimes. Namath went on to lose many games, and Ali lost many fights as well. And here, many of you in this room have have some sort of authority Parents, you have authority over your kids. And if kids, if you don't like that, Jesus, in Luke chapter 2, it says Jesus was obedient to his parents. So it's just we want to do what Jesus did. I had authority at my job given to me. It was in penal code section 830 of the penal code. It defines what powers peace officer have. And many of you, I know, work in... Uh, Large corporations, a lot of you supervise people and are responsible for huge networks and facilities and databases, and they're under your control. So we all have authority in different areas. Kings and presidents have authority as well. Congress can pass laws. Our armed services is all built on authority called the chain of command And here at church, we're under the authority of the elders, which we read about in Hebrews 13, 17. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you 
as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And it's true, we want to obey and follow our elders here at church. But only one has authority over all, and that is Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. He has authority over every person, every, every animal, every creature, authority over nature, the seas and the oceans, planets and the moon and the stars. Just during his time on earth, it's a little bullet list here, he healed the sick, reattached a severed ear in seconds, he raised the dead, made the blind to see and the mute speak. He purged demons, forgave sins, made the lame walk and the deaf to hear. He calmed the sea. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He rose from the dead and he fed thousands just on a few baskets of bread and fish. He spoke boldly everywhere he went and every word he uttered was true. He frustrated his opponents, no end. He enraged his enemies. They drove him out of town. They tried to trap him with legal questions. They conspired to arrest him and kill him, as you know. He never backed down. He never watered down his message. He fulfilled his mission all the way to the cross and even saved another soul in his last moments on the cross before his death. He had the authority to draw Numerous legions of angels, as we read, he could have got down easily, but he didn't. He did that for us. He stayed there, died, shed his blood for our sins that they could be forgiven. Some people question this. He was there in the beginning, Jesus was, and is there for eternity. That sounds, how could a man born, live 33 years, be there long before? But we find out in the word In John 17, it says, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So Jesus was with the Father and the Holy Spirit forever. And he deserves all of our worship, honor, and praise today. He is the Word. The Word became flesh. And Jesus said, before Abraham was I am that enraged those Pharisees too when he said that he's the everlasting and because he has authority over all Taylor was able to sing beautifully at his name every knee will bow every tongue confess he is Lord another example of his authority it doesn't say most people's knees but it says every knee and every tongue, you can't, those people at that time are not going to be able to, and they're going to regret decisions that they made, not for the Lord. Every tongue will confess. So where does he get all that authority? In John 17, here's where the Father gives Jesus the wonderful authority that entitled him to give eternal life to those whom the Father had given him. That's every believer in this room today. Praise God for that. In John 17, 1 and 2, it says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, 
Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. The Father gave us to him, and Jesus can give us eternal life. Amen to that. The Lord has final authority and final say on everything. Even his own life, death, and resurrection resurrection he had control of. You wouldn't think of that way, but he did. And isn't it great that we're under the authority of someone who is perfect and cannot make a mistake and he's not going anywhere. He can't be replaced and he will live forever. In John 10... Here's explaining that authority, verses 17 and 18. It says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the father. So he had total control of his death and resurrection. He took himself up and he had that authority from the Father. And he followed the Father's commands to a T. Nobody else can take up their life again after death, only Christ. I know if you read history, people would uh, make caskets that have release levers or things to, hey, what if I'm in here by mistake? They can get out of there. We don't have power to retain our life again. Only Jesus Christ could do that. And the Father also gave Christ the authority to judge all. In John 5, verses 25 through 27, it says, Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who here will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him the authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. No better, fairer judge in the world than Jesus Christ. So it brings up a few questions, obviously. Are we submissive to his authority? Or do we have this area here where I got that, Lord, I'm an expert in that area. Let me handle that. Or are we rebelling in authority like so many people throughout the world today are completely rebelling against anything they're told to do? It's it's amazing. A couple of cases, and as you know, I learned most of these from Sylvia. Great to see you here today. This is one. She would talk about often Samuel had authority over King Saul. And Samuel told Saul, you know, you wait till I get back. Don't do anything. Saul did not wait. He got antsy. He disobeyed. He made his own decisions and he paid a huge price. He lost his own kingdom. He died a horrible death later. That was on the bad side. On the good side, I thought you were going to get in my area, Jeff. I think it was 
Matthew 8. Did you share Matthew 8? This Roman centurion in Matthew 8, he was under the authority from the Roman leaders, yet he had authority over at least 80 to 100 people in his cadre of soldiers. So we had a staff, yet when his servant was paralyzed, extremely sick, he did not go, and here's a man of authority, he did not go to the Roman doctors and physicians and his people that he worked for. He didn't go there. He went to the highest authority with his problem. His faith was in the right spot. He knew Jesus had the authority and the power to cure his servant's paralysis. Here's the story in Matthew 8, 5, verses 10. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? This is the amazing part. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell them, go, he goes, one come, he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus When he heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. That is incredible. His own people rejected him. And a Gentile centurion had more faith than anybody in Israel that he had preached to so often. So that's a good example of following authority, the centurion, and a bad example, King Saul. And he even had the faith to say, don't even touch him. You know, you might say, yeah, Jesus, you better go touch him to get it really right. But he didn't. He just said, say the word now, and he was healed. And a little bit of a reading here. I was just going to read what Adrian Rogers, we used to listen to him often in church, said on authority. And he brings up in these two paragraphs three questions that he poses to us. Adrian Rogers said, When you were born again, you were born to win. With your new birth came kingdom authority that fitted you for victory. Kingdom authority is the God-given mandate of Christians to exercise control over the world in the name of Jesus and under his oversight. Explained in 1 John 5, verses 4 and 5. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that is us today. He asked, do you believe in Christ Jesus? Then you should be living in victory. We were born to win, not to lose. This is life-changing, liberating truth. So why don't we experience victory all the time, he asked. Circumstances arise that discourage. We feel defeated and find ourselves fighting a losing battle. Why are we fighting a battle already 
when we can enjoy a victory already won. That, that applies to all of us, and that is so true. And with that kingdom authority in mind, I'm going to pray, and then Dean is going to, uh, you'll see the verses on the screen, we're going to sing Majesty, number one. And when we sing it, think about those words, kingdom authority, in that little short song. Nobody else has that. And Jesus is in us. He gives the redeemed each person the power and authority to defeat Satan, which is ever present. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this this short word, Lord. We, We just praise you that we are under your authority totally. You have authority over our our presidents, our senators, our Congress, uh, just everyone in the world, that's the best place to be in the palm of your hands. And quickly, I want to lift up Mikei today and Gloria and pray that they would be with us soon, Lord. I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.